All right, let's talk about money laundering in our province because we know we all have questions, right? You know, you see someone with a very expensive car or a really luxurious house and you wonder, yeah, but what do they do for a living? Where do they get the money for this? Well, new legislation tabled here in BC would allow the provincial government to ask that question. And if the proceeds can't be proven, if it's the result of criminal proceeds or money laundering, they will then move to seize those assets potentially. So is this a good way to tackle money laundering? Will it actually make criminals think twice? Well, Peter German is the founder and principal of Peter German and Associates. And of course, he wrote the Dirty Money Report here in BC. Joins us now to talk about it. Good morning. Good morning, Simi. What did you think about this, this new legislation tabled yesterday? Well, I was very pleased. Uh, it's uh, it's a topic that's been discussed. Uh, you mentioned my dirty money reports. We mentioned it back then. I had this discussion with the Attorney General, as he then was, back a few years. He was always very keen on the idea. I'm, I'm uh, really quite excited that uh, the province has uh, gone ahead with this uh, idea. Do you think this is a deterrent? What it is is a strong message. Uh, we will be the only jurisdiction in Canada, provincial or federal, that has UWOs. There are many countries that have them, but we'll be the first jurisdiction in Canada. So it really does uh, send a strong message. And uh, I think it will have a deterrent effect of sorts, um, but to what extent, it's obviously hard to measure. Okay, so when you say it's it's an unexplained wealth order is what the exact wording is of this. So how does this work then, Peter? How is the in- how is this intended to work? Right. Well, the intention is uh, to deal with uh, people who have a large amount of money, the source of which is unknown but believed to be uh, the proceeds of of crime of one sort or another, and they're essentially uh, asked the question. Where did your money come from? And that proceeding would take place before a Supreme Court judge. Um, And uh, I mean, if they wish to disclose where the money came from, that's fine. But if they choose not to, then there is a proceeding. And at the end of it, there'll be a decision made whether a presumption can be made that it was the it was sourced from illegal illegal uh, activity. And in that case, civil forfeiture proceedings could subsequently take place that. in, in which that presumption will be used. Right. So it, it's not like an instant, you know, your house is gone. There's, there's a process involved here. I guess I wonder then, how will these assets be flagged? Like, how will they come to the notice of police and how, how will this process get underway? Yeah, well, good question. Now, take, for example, uh, recently, um, two money laundering, criminal money laundering investigations have collapsed in this province, received a lot of uh, notoriety. One uh, just this year and another a couple of years ago. Um, so for whatever reason, those cases cannot proceed in the criminal courts, um, but the police are still you know, uh, aware of uh, substantial funds and, and the source of which can't be explained. So those would be the, the ideal cases that would be referred to, uh, and they already have been, as we know, uh, to civil forfeiture um, for, for their the civil forfeiture unit. And, and those folks will then examine those cases to see whether civil proceedings can be taken against the property. So we're not putting people in jail with this mechanism. It's it's totally civil. And the, and the test in our civil law is a lower standard than in our criminal law. It's, it's a balance of probabilities. Where did this come from? Right. So there's an investigation. Police have a suspicious person. They see the suspicious person going to a very nice house every day with some very expensive cars, but they don't know where the money came from. And they can say, well, you know what? Let's find out. Uh, yes. I mean, it's in 
simple form. That's what uh, would uh, what's involved. But uh, there will be an obligation under this legislation, as I understand it, for the police to have a, a basis for believing that the, the money came from an illegal source. So they're, they're not just going to be driving down the street looking for people with big houses. That's not the intent. Uh, but this is really going to, I presume, be reserved for the most difficult of cases and, and the large money cases. Uh, and it's a great tool in the toolbox. So when you look at other jurisdictions, you said that have this, not in Canada, but outside of Canada, has it been effective? Has it been used? Well, the one that received a lot of notoriety is England. And England brought in UWOs uh, a couple, a few years ago. And the, the first case that was brought in England involved a woman who spent 16 million pounds at Harrods department store. Now, Simi, that would be difficult to do at the best of times. Uh, yeah. $16 million at a department store. But but she did. Uh, but where did she get the money? Nobody knew. She was from Azerbaijan. And her husband um, was did not have an income that would support you know, that type of spending. So the, the question was asked, where did you get your money? And the process took a while. I think it was about a two-year uh, court battle. But she was eventually ordered to disclose the source of her wealth. And, of course, the, the belief had been that, you know, this was uh, the, the proceeds of corruption in her home country. Uh, so that's the type of case where, you know, a UWO comes in handy. Because if you had no means of asking a person uh, or, you know, compelling them to tell you, then, you know, the question remains, uh, there's nothing that can be done. Oh, so this does sound to be then an effective way to do this. But this, as you pointed out in your report too, there are many steps that need to be taken, right? And this is one step. So would you say, Peter, are we making progress from what you wrote well, in your report? Oh, great question. Uh, I have said repeatedly that we cannot forget about criminal forfeiture. So criminal forfeiture is designed to not only take away the proceeds of crime, drug trafficking, and so forth, but also people would go to jail. So people go to jail and they lose their property. So there's a disincentive. The problem with civil forfeiture is it is really filling a gap. If our criminal, uh, criminal system is not working sufficiently well to allow for these types of prosecutions, then civil forfeiture at the provincial level fills that gap. But it doesn't put people in jail. So really, they're giving back money they shouldn't have had in the first place. So my, my point has always been, we need a balance of both criminal and civil forfeiture. And this province is doing very well in terms of civil forfeiture right now. It's very efficient, very effective, but we're not doing so well on the criminal side. And that's a product of both federal legislation and enforcement requirements at the provincial and federal levels. Right. So we're doing what we can on the provincial side. We seem to be. And uh, the other, of course, big move in the province here was uh, a beneficial ownership registry for, for land, the Landowner Transparency Act. We are also the first jurisdiction in this country that has uh, a beneficial ownership registry, which requires people to disclose the ultimate owner of their property. And that, I also believe, is a good thing, because in dealing with any of these matters, it's all about transparency, transparency of where your wealth came from, transparency of who owns property who owns companies, that sort of thing. Very true. All right, Peter, thanks so much for that. Just a pleasure, Simi. Have a great day.